everybody, and welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from sunny and warm Longmont, Colorado. I've got my partner up in Chicago, Larry Mishkin. How you doing, Larry? Jim, always nice to hear from you. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. It's a lovely day in Chicago. Beautiful weather outside. Great uh, weather uh, forecast for the weekend. Uh, everybody's in a good mood. Uh, little by little, things are beginning to uh, open up here again. And uh, it's just nice to see people getting outside. What about in uh, in your part of the world? Colorado's really getting back to normal. We even have traffic. Um, <laughs> so most of uh, mostly all, everything's open. Uh, gyms, beauty salons, hair salons all opened up uh, in the last few days. Good. Uh, the restaurants are serving inside and outside but there are no bar stools so you can't uh, sit at the bar you have to sit at a table which is has social distancing between the tables okay well let's look you know that's a good start yeah i think you know at some point we just have to learn to live with this uh corona disease it doesn't seem to affect people under the age of 60 very much so um we'll see how things go um but uh yeah, slowly getting back to normal. As I mentioned last week, um, the, I think the only ski area in North America is opened, and uh, I had a good day skiing there last week. Um, but I'm done for the year now. It's, it's going to be 90 tomorrow, so it's hard to get into skiing, although they'll be open for another few weeks. That's just incredible. I love that idea that, you know, it can be 90 at the base and, you know, 30 at the top, and you can still ski for a little while. Musically, uh, still not much going on. Um Nothing really as far as social gatherings for music or baseball. Um, right. We do look forward to uh, getting baseball season going again. Um, I guess there's some sort of a um, labor dispute between the uh, players and the league on how much they'll get paid for the rest of the short season. What do you hear on baseball, Larry? You know, Jim, it's it's very interesting. I'm as big a baseball fan as you'll ever find. And, and you know, without hoping not to alienate any of our listeners, I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan and uh, you know, really follow it religiously. But it, it, it's almost like, you know, when they, when they went on strike and you just say to yourself, well, it's not going to happen. And I find myself no longer rushing to look at the sports page, rushing to, you know, check out ESPN. And I figure, you know, when they come back, they'll come back. But yes, I, I have heard talk of, uh, labor. And I, you know, I always have a hard time imagining these people going in labor disputes when there's so much money available to, you know, that they have to, that they have to fight over it. But what do I know? I'm just a lawyer. Um, but I do miss that baseball. And, you know, if you, if you really think about it and, uh, you mentioned this during our little pre-show chat, you know, this is the time of the year when, uh, you know, things would be happening in past years, uh, this weekend or the previous weekend, I would have been out in, uh, Aspen, Colorado for the normal uh, annual legal committee meeting 
which is always a, a, a highlight for me every year in terms of the people I get to see out there and the things that I learn and uh, the fun that everybody has. Um, but, you know, we've talked about sports. But we're also, of course, on this show, so focused on live music. And with the weather this beautiful, you know, it's really hard to believe that there's not a, a concert somewhere that we can all head out to. And then you made the very astute observation, uh, which was both astute and somewhat scary to me, that it's already been five years since you and I met up in Chicago for the uh, Grateful Dead 50th reunion, the Fare Thee Well shows at Soldier Field. And when that happened, when we had those shows, we all said, oh my goodness, who can believe how long it's been now since Jerry's gone 20 years. And here we are five years later in the blink of an eye. Um, and boy, would I give anything to be able to head out to Soldier Field one of these days for another one of those shows. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, you know, we filled that stadium up, packed, and uh, wonderful shows with Trey Anastasio doing uh, Jerry's part, Trey from Fish. Oh, yeah. Played really, and actually I've been listening and watching some of that video recently, and um, mm-hmm. God, he did such a great job. And I, lo- I love those pictures of him backstage with Bill Walton just towering over him. Uh, pictures that many of them, which, by the way, were taken by our good friend and previous guest, Jay Blakesburg. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great book that came with the box set. Yeah, isn't it? It's all, it's it's really good stuff. That's why, you know, for me, that's why it's worth it. I spend a few extra bucks and I get that because you just get all this good extra stuff they throw in there. And, you know, I'm the kind of guy that sits there and reads every word of it because you never know when you're going to either be on Jeopardy or on a podcast where you're going to have to have a good working knowledge of the Grateful Dead. So I have a funny Soldier Field story. Um, We were outside the stadium before we went in. And, um, you know, Soldier's Field is surrounded by a beautiful park. Uh, was what's the name of the park that surrounds is it grant park yes and uh my buddy and i and our our crew of five or six were over by the bushes and outside the stadium getting ready to go in and this girl comes by with kaleidoscope eyes and a (laughs) baseball hat on sideways wearing all hippie clothes she says oh my god this is i have to pee so bad i just got to pee and she walks just a few steps away from us, flips up her dress, squats down and pees right there in Grant Park. And these other girls noticed her doing that. The next thing we know, there was a line of girls with their hippie skirts flipped up over their hips peeing. Hey, it's a Grateful Dead show. That you're going you're gonna to run into those kind of things from time to time. Some places you might even run into them inside the show. That was a funny story, though. Yeah, that was right after we, you and I hooked up outside of the stadium that's right it was very nice i had an opportunity to at the uh, i think that was the first time i met some of your boys and uh some of your friends back from colorado you guys had all made the uh, the journey out i was out there with a number of my friends as well but uh it was nice we had a chance to hook up and uh and chat for a few minutes and kind of uh, debrief the previous night's show and get ready for that night's show and you know that that's the part that i think i really miss and i and i understand when people say hey look even without jerry and and uh, you know, with John Mayer, we still have the opportunity to all be out there and get together. And that's true. Uh, you know, I, that, that's what I'm really missing is, is something on the books where, hey, it's, it's almost the end of June. Uh, we're, you know, we, in fact, uh, this weekend or next, we would have all been going out to, uh, to uh, Wrigley Field for the, uh, for the shows that had been scheduled here. And, um, yep. you know, well, we now uh, we know it's at least a year off before they'll play in Wrigley Field again. And who knows until when we'll see him again anywhere. Oh, I think we will. Yeah, I'm kind of um, missing um, 
We'd be coming up on the last weekend of June is traditionally three widespread panic shows at Red Rocks. Right. So I've been listening to uh, some widespread panic. In fact, uh, our son Jack uh, posted a video of him playing the widespread song Peas. Uh-huh. And um, David Schools tagged him that he liked it. Wow. Okay. Well, that's impressive. David, David Schools, for our audience, is the bass player for Widespread Panic. Who's uh, known both for his uh, large girth as well as his incredible bass playing. He's, uh, he's really something special up there. He's, uh, you know, I, I guess it's fair to calm the Phil Lesh of Widespread Panic. Yes. There's nothing like seeing David Schools and Widespread Panic at Red Rocks. With him leaning back, his his legs spread, you know, his feet spread wide, his big old bass on his big old stomach, mm-hmm. and he can just fill up Red Rock with those big bass notes. Yes, he does. He's 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 something special, and they're they are a lot of fun. I've never seen them in Red Rocks, but uh, if they ever get to do it again, that will be something that I will have to uh, really look towards uh, having an opportunity to go check out um, and see. Yes, it's very so, fun. Yeah, because uh, on. They they do a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night. They wrap up about midnight. And then on Sunday, they start the shows at 5 or 6 p.m. Uh, so the first set is in broad daylight, and that's always a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what they used to do with the dead up at Alpine Valley. They would start the set late afternoon, so the first set would be outside in the sun. And I always felt bad for Jerry because, you know, like in any venue, they don't want the sun shining on the eyes of the audience who are trying to see the stage. So the sun would come in over the audience's head and hit right down on the stage. And it, it, just at the hour they would start those shows, the sun would just be beating down on the stage. And Jerry would come out with those uh, with those shades of his on. And, uh, you know, my buddies and I used to get a kick out of it because he'd be up there playing and we'd, 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 we'd bet how many times, you know, the glasses would slide down his nose and he'd just have to, barely in the flick of an eye, you know, punch him back up on his face and get right back down there and playing again. And, you know, then the second set, of course, it would be darker. And then all the, the lighting from the theater would, would, would pick up. But, uh, yeah, those summertime shows are really special. And uh, you don't realize how much you miss them until you're not going to them. Yeah, it's the same thing at Red Rocks. The stage faces west. So on those afternoon shows, they get the sun right beating down on the stage on them. So, um, well, we were speaking about Chicago um, how's Chicago doing? And, um, you know, the dispensaries, I know some of them were looted, um, and they closed down voluntarily. They weren't closed down because of the pandemic. Cause I think they were considered essential services, Correct. but give us an update of what's going on with the, uh, adult use dispensaries in downtown Chicago. Yeah. So for the most part, what's happening in Chicago right now is that, uh, uh, things are slowly but surely beginning to return to normal uh, in the city. There haven't been any problems the last few nights. And uh, I suspect that uh, before long, uh, everything will be back to normal. However, when you say normal, we have obviously have to say that with a grain of salt, because what we really mean is back to COVID-19 normal, whatever that was. Um, so, you know, with all these layers on top of each other. But yes, there was some rioting. And unfortunately, some of the uh, dispensaries were targeted. Uh, along with everybody else, although, you know, as I as I like to say, it's it's unfortunate that it happened, but it, you can't have an adult use dispensary looted if there is an adult use dispensary in existence in the first place. And, you know, as we talk about it and we say, boy, isn't that a shame? And it is. I don't mean to, you know, to, to suggest anything to the contrary. You know, there's a part of me that can't help but say, wow, this is amazing, you know. Among all the businesses that were getting looted, we always hear about grocery stores and they, you know, 
try to take off ATM machines and all sorts of stuff like that. Now, marijuana dispensaries are in the mix. And, um, you know, it, it just, it's a statement, I think, Jim, of how far we've come with everything uh, with marijuana and with THC, you know, since you and I first met way back in 2013. And, uh, you know, the fact that we have anything like this happening in Illinois is fantastic. Uh, and I think that, you know, people are, are excited enough about the program that it's kind of tempering the overall frustration that many of us are feeling because the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation has still not yet announced the winners of the dispensary licenses, which were supposed to be announced on May 1st. And now here we are on uh, June, uh, uh, well, whatever day we are on, I apologize, I don't have my calendar in front of me, uh, but the second week in June, and we still don't have uh, not only any announcements, but any indication of a date as to when the announcements are going to be made. Uh, and, and at the very same time, the July 1st announcement deadline for cultivation, processing, and transportation is quickly creeping up on us as well. And nobody knows, will they announce those for right now? It's still not announced dispensary. Will they wait to announce the, these others until they announce dispensary first and keep it in the order in which they had originally intended? And, and we just don't know. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I, you know, I realize it's a big job and uh, appreciate the fact that uh, we now have uh, state leadership that's in support of this type of program and is helping move it forward. Um, but certainly from the perspective of the people that have invested so much time and money into trying to get a license, it would be wonderful if we had some answers for them, uh, even if it was just that they can expect an answer by a certain date. Now, are the government offices and the courthouses in Chicago open and functioning? No. Um, and it's interesting you say that because in my, uh, what I still, uh, although maybe not quite as much jokingly anymore, refer to as my day job, uh, which is my legal practice that is not cannabis related, uh, I'm a commercial litigator and spend a lot of my time in the Cook County courts. And uh, the Cook County courts are now have, have we're possibly going to open at the end of this month, uh, but have now been, or excuse me, at the end of May, but it's now been determined that they're going to stay closed until the second week of July. And then the second week of July, they'll make it another determination as to what they want to do uh, and, and whether they'll be able to open them up. But that's been very frustrating, uh, you know, especially if you have cases that are pending and people want answers on those and, uh, and all sorts of stuff. But it's also been frustrating. Some of the state offices have opened. We had clients who were trying to get um, uh, various operating agreements and things like that filed as we got to the uh, filing deadlines for the last round. And uh, of course, all the state offices were closed, the Secretary of State, so we couldn't get certain documents on file. But the state told us that as long as we could uh, submit an affidavit that said we have an application that's pending with the Secretary of State's office, which we were able to do to show that, in fact, it is waiting down there to be uh, filed. And I do know that the Secretary of State's office has reopened because these documents have been filed and have now come back to my office. So I take that as a positive sign. So, you know, I think things are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we appreciate the job that Governor Pritzker's done here. I know some people wish it would open a little bit faster. Some people are, you know, wishing it would open up a little bit slower. But overall, I think he's done a fairly reasonable job in balancing all the interests. And, um, you know, once we can get up and really get running again, uh, and be able to do it safely, that'll be a wonderful thing. Um, but here's 
something now right along those lines that you and I were also talking about before we went on the air. And as, as long as we're talking about, you know, COVID and, and, and getting back into it, uh, there has been a bunch of reporting over the last few weeks of a team of Canadian scientists who have been doing their own studies, independent studies, by the way, although they are uh, affiliated with the University of Lethbridge. I'm not sure what town that's in in Canada. Uh, and what their studies have shown that there are at least 13 cannabis plants. Uh, I believe that they're uh, all sativa leaning and high in CBD that appear to affect the pathways that the coronavirus bug uses to access the body. And there is a hope that by uh, uh, figuring out a way to uh, manifest the, uh, the effect of the THC, uh, that they can actually either help treat people with coronavirus or maybe in some cases help prevent coronavirus. Now, I, I want to go be very strong in emphasizing that this is not in any way, shape, or form an endorsement that marijuana will cure or stop COVID, uh, just merely pointing out that there are scientists who are looking into the issue and at least have some early uh, data results back that they believe are positive. Wow, that is very interesting. Um, it'll take some time to see if that's really proven by scientific studies and blind uh, testing. Um, but sure. In the, in the meantime, um, it doesn't hurt to take a little dose of prevention, though, does it? <laughs> no, it, it, it sure doesn't. You know, as a better better to err on the safe side with this one. You know, and uh, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, but it, it's just funny to me, uh, only because I, I fully expected that at some point uh, we were going to have to see somebody doing this kind of study, right? Somebody doing something to let us know uh, whether there's a connection here. There, there's too many things that people are, are discovering that cannabis has medical efficacy for purposes of treating. And so on the one hand, it doesn't surprise me to see this. On the other hand, it really makes me laugh because, oh, my goodness, if, if, if there's even just a little bit of truth to it, um, you know, it, yes, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And it just goes to support the idea uh, that, you know, 5,000 years of human civilization can't be wrong. <laughs> and we were laughing about this one, too, because part of the same story is a... Uh, uh, another story, Jim, that where they think that a group that's an archaeologist group in Israel believes that they found an ancient Jewish temple from about four or five thousand years ago that has uh, where they found samples of uh, cannabis, and it looks like it was you know the way they found it that it had been used and, and smoked by the, the the Jewish priests of the time, uh, perhaps to help uh, you know get them into a proper mental state for the. Uh, the prayer services they were leading or whatever, and it's the first known usage of cannabis being tied into the Jewish religion, of which I'm a member, so I find that to be very fascinating. Um, but I, I love that only because I think that a lot of us you know, kind of tend to take for granted that, yeah, we've all heard about the history of marijuana, and yes, you know, what happened back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and whatever, but I think there's a real sense by a lot of people that this you know, kind of grew out of the... The, the hippie world and the summer of love in 1968 and the grateful dead and all of this stuff. But we forget marijuana has been around forever for all of recorded history. And, you know, I have to say that I kind of feel good about that. Yeah, that's very interesting. So, um, well, as we get near the end, I do have a, a quick Chicago story that I can tell. Um, I have great affection for uh, Chicago um, I went there for the first time in 1979 
I had just gotten out of college and I was hired by a big CPA firm and um, they sent all the rookies from all over the country to Chicago in the fall of 1979 uh, to assist in the audit of Standard Oil. So for most of the fall of 1979, I worked in the Standard Oil building, made some great friends, and we um, would work all day till 6, 7 o'clock at night, and then we'd go out and drink up our per diem, <laughs> and um, we would play football in Grant Park. That's why I'm familiar with Grant Park. Oh, well, that's a lot of fun. Very nice. Very nice. Um, well, as we get ready to wind things up, two things, Jim, that I would like to throw out. The first is um, that I have a, a very quick correction and an apology to make here. Last week uh, at the end of the show, I threw out a, uh, um, a get well shout out to a good friend of mine, Jake Wellens, out in California. Uh, the good news is Jake is now out of the hospital and he's gone back home, which we're all happy to hear. Uh, but Jake's brother, Max, who's a recent graduate of uh, Boulder, um, uh, is going to be joining our show on the um, uh, social media side and helping to promote our um, our, uh, our footprint in social media and really get our name out there. Um, and so uh, I was talking with him today, and in the course of our conversation, he advised me that last week when I was talking about Jake Wellens, I somehow mentioned that he was the daughter of Andy Greenberg. And of course, Jake Wellens would be the son of Andy Greenberg. And I apologize to Jake, and I apologize to Andy for that little miscue. Uh, but again, the good news is, is that Jake did make it out of the hospital, and uh, happy to hear about that and glad that he's heading in the right direction. The other thing, and, and I'm very excited to, to mention this for all of our listeners, is that our show next week, our guest is going to be Bob Hoban of the Hoban Law Group. And, um, you know, Bob is one of the early pioneers in uh, legal cannabis and has now positioned himself to be one of the real leaders, both on the marijuana and the hemp side. Um, and he's a guy with a schedule that has him on the road and tied up all the time, but he's been kind and gracious enough to give us a few minutes. So we're looking forward to, to having him around next week and getting to ask him a few questions. Uh, looking forward to that. <clears throat> yeah, Bob and I go back a good 10 years here working on cannabis clients together. We have <clears throat> many mutual clients between Bridge West and Hoban Law. And uh, you have a, another great attorney over there we should get on the show someday, David Bush, who's probably the leading hemp attorney in the United States. Well, thank you for saying that. Well, yeah, David is a fantastic attorney. Uh, he is. And uh, I can even say that he and I had a had a fun experience last year uh, trying to drive from Minneapolis to Rochester, Minnesota for a Midwest Hemp Expo that somebody thought would be a good idea to have in the middle of February. And in whiteout conditions, David bravely uh, managed to get us there safely and in one piece. So I'm forever indebted to him as well. But yes, I think he'd make a great guest and I, I will reach out to him. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, I think it's time to sign off. Larry, take us home. Jim, always a pleasure to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. We'll look forward to seeing you all next week. Be safe, stay healthy, and enjoy the Grateful Dead with a little marijuana. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms podcast. I started the Pop Moms podcast 
Well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.